Hey guys, welcome back to another Horror Minor Crime episode. Hey KK, what it is, what it is. What's up Lo? Back in Lo's bed guys. She's got some new fancy schmancy furniture. I love it. Heated blankets on because we froze at a softball game. I know. You would think we wouldn't freeze because it's freaking almost the end of May, but no, we froze. Mm-hmm. We froze. But it was a good game, so. Okay, the team player. She always shows up for my kids' sports. Hey, I'm here. I'm the cheerleader. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on, but I'm, I'm here to cheer on. <laughs> At one point, Love was like, oh, what did you ask me? Was that a ball or like two balls or something? I said, oh, did they just get a double out? I wasn't paying attention. You're like, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea. You were like, oh, I thought you were watching. And I was like, I, I am. I just don't know what's happening. <laughs> Go sports. <laughs> it was a softball game and she asked uh, what quarter we were in. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, honestly, could do it. If, if it's about dance or soccer, I could understand. Any other sport, I'm like, no idea. Not that like dance. I know people don't say dance is a sport, but whatever. <laughs> but my daughter's team, I don't want to brag, but I mean, they're like 6-0 and undefeated. They're good. They are really good. Go Lake Orion. Woo-woo. So we are drinking Ruby Moon White Stellar Wine. And well, it's not my favorite. Um... You said it earlier, it is kind of light, which is okay. Um, however, I did have a sour gummy worm with it, and bleh, it didn't mix well. Oh, yeah. Your face after you drank it, I mean, after you ate the gummy worm, when you drank it, you were like, hell no, that was bad. <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't eat any so gummy worms. So don't mix it with sour gummy worms and wine, but... Yeah, it's good if you like, like, very, like, light wine. With like, it's almost a little like semi-sweet, I would say. Yeah, like, yeah. It's more dry than sweet in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I would say so. But thank you, Miss Debbie Hartman, for the donation of it. We appreciate it. Stay creepy. Love, love it. Thank you very much. Shout out to the one and only Dax Shepard. How you do, my kind sir? <laughs> I was like waiting to hear what was about to come out of your mouth. Lo took like a big like inhale and pause, and I was like, "What is she about to say?" <laughs> she goes, "What it is, my dude, <laughs> or my good sir? What did you say?" <laughs> I don't even remember. Well, when we listen back, we will hear what you said. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about missing case from North Carolina, Leah Roberts. It's an older story. Nevertheless, it's still very important that it stays in regulation and people keep hearing it and people don't forget about it. Amen to that. So, Leah Toby Roberts was born July 23rd, 1976 in Durham, North Carolina. She grew up in a regular suburban neighborhood. She had an older sister, Kara, and an older brother, Heath. Love the names, by the way. They were very close-knit family. They liked to hang out together. Leah actually enjoyed even spending time with her parents. She especially was close with her sister. 
though they were a couple years apart, they became like besties. Leah was one of those girls that you were just drawn to. She was funny. She was smart. She was very giving and loving and caring. And she just cared for other people. And whoever was around her, they just thrived off the positive energy about her and that she gave off. And one thing you need to know about Leah was that she was a very private person. So if you knew her, you knew her. But if you didn't know her, it kind of took a second for her to open up to you. She, you know, wasn't rude, but she was like, give me a minute, you know. Her brother actually described her as an old soul. When she was 17 years old, her dad was sadly diagnosed with chronic lung disease. She was very upset and had a hard time with it, but more so her mom had even a more hard time with it. The stress got to the point to where she was so stressed out that it caused her mom to have heart issues. But they got it under control. They were watching it. They took her to the doctors. Doctors were watching it closely. Unfortunately, this would be the start of a beginning of series of tra tragedies through Leah's life. It's now 1995, and they're graduating from high school, and Crystal was born. <laughs> Sorry, I made like a, I don't even know what kind of hand gesture that was, but <laughs> birth year. She graduated from high school, and she very proudly enrolled in college at Riley, North Carolina. She got her major in anthropology, and she minored in Spanish. But throughout her academic career, she ended up becoming very fluent in Spanish. She enjoyed playing soccer, which she did while she was in college. During Leah's sophomore year, the family got an unexpected shock when her mother ended up passing away due to a heart attack. Aww. And this shook the family because they were not expecting it. They thought everything was pretty much under control. And they were focusing a lot on her dad's illness. I mean... Can you imagine your dad's really sick and at the same time you just lose your mom? I mean, when you said it earlier, a series of tragedies, like, that literally describes it. That's that's so hard. I mean, to lose one parent is extremely difficult. But then to also be dealing with another one being very sick at the same time. I mean, that the stress of all of that has to be, like, so overwhelming. And you're so focused on your dad that it's not that you forget about your mom, but you're maybe not paying attention as much. You oh, know right, because your focus is shifted on trying to make sure your dad's okay. And honestly, maybe that caused extra stress for her mom, too. It's just, like, so unfortunate. Yeah. At this point, she decided to take a break from school She's going to go home, just be with her family, spend a lot of time together as a family. She did, however, end up going back to school in the fall of 1998. But once again, tragedy strikes, and Leah was in a terrible car accident. Ugh. A transport van pulled out in front of her so quickly, she had no time to react. At one point, they weren't sure if she was going to make it, but she did. And she fought, and she was strong, and she survived. She ended up with a punctured lung, and she had to get surgery on her right femur, and they actually had to put a metal rod in it. Oh, that's rough. Yes. 
I know someone who had that exact same thing, and that was not easy. Long recovery. Yeah. According to Leah's family, this was another eye-opening for Leah. She looked at it as a new beginning. She can create her new chapter of her life. So she took more time off of school and decided to reflect on what she really wanted to do with her life. And travel was something big. It was... Travel just really interested her, and so the summer of 99, she enrolled in a trip to Costa Rica with her roommate and her friend, Nicole Bennett, and this was a also a field study, so she was going to travel, but she was going to learn a lot as well. But just three weeks before she was set to take off for her journey, another tragedy once again strikes, and she gets the call saying that her dad sadly now passed away. Oh my gosh. Wow. You're literally one thing after another. Just like bam, bam, bam. Now, Leah was grieving. And as she worked through it, she decided what she wanted to do. And the part of her wanted to stay and be with the family. But the other part of her felt like she wants to go on this trip. And she was thinking like, dad would have wanted me to go on this trip she really felt in her soul that her dad would have wanted her to follow her dreams yeah so with that being said she decided costa rica it is now with both her parents being deceased um her and her siblings did get quite an inheritance money so she decided to use that money for her travels she got all her stuff and gave her sister power of eternity, which basically means that gave her the right to all her accounts, um, to her bank accounts, her assets. If anything should happen, her sister has full access to everything. And... Just also so if anything happened while she was gone, it could be easily taken care of and fixed. Nicole Bennett had said that she never saw Leah cry. She said she watched Leah just throw herself into work in Costa Rica and turn into a beautiful trip. And she just grabbed her, basically put herself together, went under work, and ended up on an amazing journey. After the journey was over, she did come back. She enrolled herself back in the fall semester at college. However, by the spring, she did drop out of school again. And a lot of her friends and family were a little concerned with this, um, especially her siblings. And, I mean, I can kind of see why. She only had one semester left before she graduated. But Leah conveyed that she did not want that life. She did not want the 9-to-5 work life, the long hours, that was not for her. She knew the world was a big, beautiful place out there and she wanted to see more of it and she wanted to see what else life had to offer her. Her siblings were really not on board with it. They considered this to be irresponsible. She did really not have any ties here except for one thing. She did adopt a kitten. No. And just so you know, during the research, I did not find the kitten's name. Aww. So it's anonymous. Kitty. It did not want to be known. Yeah. 
<laughs> the cats. The cat had an NDA. <laughs> so at this point, Julia has could care less um, about what people thought or what they felt. She just was ready to move on, and so she did. So her and Nicole, they got a place, and they became roommates and friends, and Leah had her inheritance, so the money was enough to live for a while. She didn't have to work. She could live off of it, and she decided that's exactly what I'm going to do. I wish I had an inheritance. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Well, I mean, I don't, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, she did sadly kind of pull away from her brother and sister a little bit due to this. But, I mean, nothing major. It's not like they, you know. Right. They just kind of weren't on board with her, like, She just kind of, like, plan. yeah, she just. Went and did her own thing for a while. Right. Um, so it was said that she's a very spontaneous. spontaneous. Um, she really didn't have structure in her life. She didn't have a schedule. Uh, she did pick up guitar lessons. She took photography classes. She has a really cool life. I was about to say, <laughs> like, like, I think her life sounds awesome. Um, she did a lot of writing, a lot of poetry, you would find her a lot of times in a local coffee shop, sitting at a table, just writing and enjoying her life of what she wanted it to be. Now, her favorite place to do all the writing was a little spot called Cup of Joe's in a Hillsborough in Riley. It was a coffee shop that was trendy, but also at the same time kind of dingy. And a lot of people would go there, drink coffee, and smoke cigarettes all day, so it's kind of smoky. But Leah did take her, she did partake in smoking her cigarettes, so there was no biggie there. And she would journal a lot, and she wanted to be like the beat generation. So, I did not know what the beat generation was, so I I don't know what that is. I had to look it up. Um, So... So the beat is a detective that is assigned to track down and capture like crazy serial, serial rapists. Um, it is it was an old show from like the forties or fifties, I want to say fifties. Um, she hung out with a lot of locals. Um, she did meet one, and she connected with a woman. Her name was Janine Quiller, and she would talk about the meaning of life, spiritual healing, um, just poetic, life fulfilling things. And they also bonded over the author, Jack Kurek. Jack Kurek was an American novelist and poet who, alongside William S. Burroughs and Allen Ginsberg, was a pioneer of the Beat Generation. So, basically, Leah was just trying to find her greatest purpose, just trying to find what her meaning on this earth was meant for her. So, now it's March 2000. Your average typical ordinary day. She talks to Kara on the phone. Not making any real big plans. Just, you know, chit-chat. I'll see you soon. And she did. She assumed she'd see her sister soon. Later that day, Nicole had to work. But before she left, she and Leah made plans to go on a babysitting job together the next day. When Nicole arrived home, Leah was not there, nor was her white 93 Jeep Cherokee. 
and she thought but she assumed okay she probably just went out for a while you know whatever i mean she's a grown woman when nicole woke up for work the next day leah still wasn't home and she's like huh well she's probably just gonna meet me at the babysitting gig but leah never came so now it's march 11th which is the following day leah is still missing Leah didn't have a tight schedule. She was able to come and go as she pleased. She did whatever she wanted, but it was not like her to go days and not check in with anybody, especially Nicole, you know, and friends and family would call and Nicole wasn't even sure what to tell people because she didn't even know herself, like, what is going on? Yeah. It's the year 2000, so there's no pinging of cell phones. It's really hard like to think back like how did we manage with just landlines do you even remember landlines only um we did have a landline at my house at my parents house for like quite a while but i and i remember when my mom first got a cell phone and i was probably like seven maybe i think and it was like you know one of those really big clunky looking cell phones (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) no that was my impression of a rotary phone yeah (laughs) sorry yeah i saw it but they didn't see (laughs) so it's march 13th and her sister cara is like okay enough is enough i'm going to the police station and filing a missing report so that's what she did she went to durham and she filed a report that had her and nicole I'm sorry, after that, her and Nicole went back to the house and they searched Leah's room, just looking for anything through all of her stuff, trying to figure out, like, what is happening, what's going on, where is Leah? The first thing they questioned was, where's the cat? (laughs) Like, did she take it with her? Does that mean she isn't planning on coming back? Or is she... I mean, she adopted this cat, so obviously she's taking care of it and has great love for it. Another thing they noticed after going through Leah's closet was that a lot of her clothes was missing. Very specific things were missing. So that tells them that she was planning on being gone for a while, but it didn't look like foul play. Because she packed on her own accord and she packed for specific things. So they do offer up the laptop to check and they also explain that so there's a note that was written and it said that there were cookies in the freezer, instructs Nicole to give everyone love and ask her to tell Kara not to worry and it was also noted in a 2001 episode of Unsolved Mysteries that Leah declared no I'm not suicidal. I am the opposite. Remember Jack Kerouac? According to Kara, this reference along with a mention of his novel On the Road, um, which also was in the note, and it communicated with her sister's possible plans to follow his footsteps. This also kind of reminds me, have you ever read the book or seen the movie Into the Wild? I have not. I know what it is because I've heard of it. I know it's super popular, but I personally haven't. Okay. Seen or read either. This was a little bit of the vibe that I was getting when I was 
researching that. Okay. Um, that was a is really good book based on a true story, and it's about a guy who, again, like Leah, wanted to do his own journey, and he followed. He goes like he had money. He had like college. I don't know if he graduated college or high school, and then was going to go to college. I can't remember that part. Mm-hmm. But like he came from a pretty like wealthy place he gave all his money away gave his car away gave everything away except for whatever he could carry and basically went out just hiking and living off nature and okay it talks about his journey through the book and then eventually he finds like this van like old like when i say van kind of like a Volkswagen type van like, yeah you know what i mean and um he ended up getting stranded. He got in deeper than he thought. And sorry if, spoiler alert, but he ends up eating these berries and he ends up dying because they end up being poisonous. And eventually people find, found his body in there. Okay. And the van is still there, I think. I don't think they removed it or they were going to remove it. But um, because so many people were trying to go to find the van. It was in Alaska. Oh, really? Yeah. And So they left it there? Um, they left it there for quite a very long time. I don't know if it's still there. We'll have to find okay. out, check that. That's cool. But people were, I think, getting hurt and getting stranded and like, because they were trying to go and find right this, find the van. Yeah. So, I don't huh? Know, but yeah, I see that then. Like how a little that bit gives of you a, similar vibes for sure. Yeah, just someone else that went for wanted a journey, the meaning of life. Like, right. Wanted to adventure in life and not just sit at a but desk can i just say like people even though we have cell phones these days like and all you creepies out there should know this by now because if you're listening to this you're probably a true crime fan but like it's not safe to go hiking by yourself like ever no it's definitely not ever for even just because people they hunt people people will hunt other people yeah people are crazy so which we should know by now if you listen to this podcast, because or any, we or podcast. just any true because it's all about crazy people. <laughs> so I just want to put a disclaimer that you should never go out into the wild on your own, like no. ever. Even if it's for like a three-hour hike, I feel like that's still not safe. No, not at all. And just if you hurt your ankle or whatever, so you much know. could happen that. And this is like I said before, situation. There's no cell phone, so they can't. Right. Makes it even more, you know, Ugh. scary. Leah would often try to get Nicole to go on these excursions with her. And she wanted to use Jack's guide to find the soul searching. But Nicole was like, dude, I gotta work. Like, I, I can't have, this can't happen for me. I I actually have to go into work, like, yeah, you know. I don't have an inheritance. But they do wonder, like, was this the beginning of her next chapter? Was she following in Jack's footsteps? Mm. And it was a lot of it was based on a book called The Dharma Buns, which is written by Jack. And the book concerns duality in his life and ideals of examining relationships of the outdoors, mountaineering, hiking, hitchhiking through the West, um, and just a lot of other things. You know, I mean, hits and jazz clubs, poetry reading, drunken parties. So it was just a whole, like, wild and free life that this guy lived. Mm-hmm. And 
so part of them are thinking like was she just trying to emulate that almost so she did set out in the wild alone that's i don't know it's scary to me and then also besides the cryptic note that was left she left a picture and the picture was the cheshire cat from alice in wonderland but it wasn't the whole cat it was just the grin that's lo has a picture of it right now that i'm looking at this is fucking creepy (laughs) i'm just saying you're not like alice in wonderland i do like i'm not like a big huge like stan it kind of, I guess it kind of creeps me up. Like, not really. But this picture that was left behind, that's fucking creepy. That's scary. So Kara saw this and she thought, well, it's kind of fitting for Leah's personality. And also looking at it, it's a smile. So she didn't really think anything dark. You know, nothing terrible. She's like, okay, she probably means she's coming back. She's happy. She's a Cheshire cat. Um, if you ever seen Alice in Wonderland, the cat kind of comes and goes as it pleases. It will, like, disappear, and then all of a sudden it just kind of, like, pops up, you know, randomly throughout the movie. Creepy. <laughs> and so she kind of took it as in that's kind of like Leah. Like, she comes and goes like the wind. She probably disappeared for a while, but she's going to come back, and that's just how she interpreted it. Another sign of her coming back was that they found money and a note saying, basically, here's my share of the bills. Um, pay my rent, the, the rent, well, I'm gone. Um, if she had no intentions on not coming back, you know, whatever. But it also seems like she didn't have any plans on dicking her friend over either. Right. So, which tells them that, whatever is going on while she was gone or whatever happened after she left was not planned. Yeah, like this whole note and laptop situation and all the funds being paid paints a picture of, oh, yeah, she just wanted to go off and like live and do whatever, do wild and crazy things. But she was like being respectful about it, like, you know. I mean, I guess she could have called somebody, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, paying her friend and everything. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like kidnap or shadiness going on at this point or anything. So, they continued the investigation, and they are digging into her bank accounts. They're checking her spending trail. Again, you got to remember, no cell phones. So, you have to go a totally different route. Um, Kyra still had power of attorney over Leah's finances. So... What they figured out was that she withdrew from her bank account $3,000. And then on March 9th, that would have been right after the phone call that Kara had. Um, she... That was the day she withdrew the money. So, looking at the paper trail, it starts off. She's in Memphis, Tennessee. She gets a hotel room. And she traveled. She uses her debit card for the room. They track her along Interstate 40 heading west towards California. She gets gas. She stops her food maybe along the way. Once she made it to California, she hits Interstate 5 and headed north. On March 13th, they noticed that she did get gas in Brooks, Oregon. And that brings us to the day her sister 
reported her missing. That was the last time she used her bank accounts or her credit cards. Now, she did have $3,000 in cash. Obviously, that is not something that can be tracked, so we don't know how much cash that she spent. But it did show that she only spent $20 in gas in 2000. And from what I looked up, gas was only $1.51 a gallon then. Oh, cool. So that's pretty legit. So she probably did fill her car up for 20 bucks. Right. And can you please have us go back to that and thank yeah, you? Yeah, a dollar. Oh, my gosh. At this point, Carl calls Leah's best friend, Susie Smith, and asks for help. They both then get a hold of one of her friends that she met at Couple Joe's. So they both sit down, they talk to Janine, and they're hoping that they can kind of shed some light on this trip to North Pacific that Leah wanted to endure. Janine was one of her favorite friends to talk to at the coffee shop. Um, She talked to some other people, but she really liked to talk about Jack Kurek and the adventures in life and again the healing and spiritual stuff and just you know what is life you know one of the big focuses with Jane that I talked about was the derma bums and again that was that sequel to one of the books that Jack wrote and they talked about how Leah just wanted to focus on wanting to do that journey and go up to Desolation Peak and find herself and figure out what her life means and what she wanted it to be, and she wanted to do it by herself. Now, in this book and in one of the chapters, Jack concentrates on spending 63 days at Desolation Peak by himself. And the time he spent in the Northern Cascades in Washington State, now Jack was also a fire forest fire lookout and he basically just spent a lot of time in nature and this was the summer of 1956 can you imagine 63 days in the woods by yourself no i can't or even imagine or one full day in the woods by myself or even <laughs> half a day or anywhere in nature yeah in the I- mountains this gives Kara hope, and they're like, okay, maybe she's doing this Desolation Peak thing. Uh, maybe this is the journey for her. Uh, she's going to not be able to use her credit cards because she's in nature. So that was kind of like, a, okay, okay, this gives me a, a, takes a little bit of the stress off because this is why she's no longer using her credit cards because she's, you know, climbing this mountain. Right. No stores up there. <laughs> And she'll be home after. So now this brings us to March 18th. That hope didn't last long because it's now Kara's birthday. And she was hoping that her sister would be home by now or at least get a phone call. But that phone call never came. And that was not like her sister to not call her and tell her happy birthday. However... She did get a phone call, and it was kind of a a punch to the gut when they said that they located her Jeep, that it seemed to be abandoned in Bellingham, Washington. Oh, on her birthday, too. That's so sad. A couple had been jogging down Canyon Creek Road and happened to see randomly some clothes hanging in branches of a tree. 
and that brought them some attention to them and so they followed it and they followed it kind of like around this curve and that's when they found the abandoned jeep now canyon creek road is off mount baker highway which is just off mount baker national forest so this is very close to the canadian border and it is also where a lot of loggers work so really you only see logger trucks there and it's not heavily populated so there really isn't any reason for any like pedestrians or just civilians to be there um that would have raised a lot of red flags now there has been no signs of leah they did follow like i said the trail of clothes and it went to a slope and then when they looked down the slope into the woods, that's where they saw the Jeep. Mm -hmm. Now, based on the pattern of broken tree branches, police concluded that the car had left the road traveling uphill 30 to 40 miles per hour and rolled several times before coming to the bottom. Wouldn't that be downhill? Um, it could, if it's going so fast and like, you know, mountains can kind of go up and down, it could be going uphill. Cause even like if you drive through some of the mountains, like if you're driving south, they have like these little off ramps. If you lose control of your car where you can drive and you drive uphill. I guess I was thinking of it from going down a slope, like it would have went. Downwards, down, but maybe yeah. it had to go up and then back down. Maybe it, yeah, maybe it went up and then okay. kind of like rolled over. Well, they concluded that it was traveling about 30 to 40 miles per hour and rolled several times before coming to a rest at the bottom of a steep embankment. And the accident would likely result in a serious injury, yet they found no blood, no seatbelt restraint, no windshield damage or other signs of passenger injury, leading them to consider the possibility that no one had been in the car when it crashed. Even more baffling, there was no evidence that the car was pushed or wheel-tied. So how did this car get there? Like, That's weird. Yeah, because if she was in the car and didn't have her seatbelt on, because it said the seatbelt didn't restrain, yeah. you would think there'd be like a big hole or at least windshield shatters yeah there would be some but there was like there would be some kind of evidence showing that somebody was in there like that's weird but there's not like did she jump out the window like i don't understand like that's but weird. no there's, there's no body yeah and even if she would have jumped out the window you think there'd be like a piece of hair glass something a cut, yeah like a leg would get caught, you know, something. Right. I don't Especially know. it going that fast. That's that's weird. Police believe it was unlikely that anyone jumped out of the moving vehicle. Oh, so there you go. Answers my question. <laughs> um, no blood was ever discovered. The most puzzling part about all this is blankets and pillows had been placed in the car's broken window after the crash, indicating that it may have been used as a makeshift shelter at some point. Although assessments of the vehicle revealed no evidence that anyone else has traveled in the car on the trip. And Leah herself was still nowhere to be found. So weird. 
and most of Leah's belongings were found in the car or strewn near the site. So, according to a 2011 episode of Disappeared, her clothing, passport, driver's license, credit card, checkbook, guitar, CDs, $2,400 worth of cash were all still in her Jeep. Meaning, wherever she was, she had very little with her. Uh, the police is also like... She had not spent much money since arriving in Washington. That indicated a possible foul play. Um, cat food um, and a cat carrier were also discovered oh. at the scene, but the cat was never found. Hmm. Were they, they must have just been abducted by aliens. That's my explanation. Most disturbing to her loved ones, her mother's diamond engagement ring, um, which was the most valuable possession that she would ever have, was later discovered beneath the Jeep's floor mat. So her friend, Nicole, was like, no way. Um, That was very sacred to her. I don't care what emotional state she was in, she would never have just left that ring in the car. Yeah. Because as you know, you heard in the beginning, she was, her family was her everything. Right. Police considered the possibility that Leah Roberts had somehow survived the car crash and walked into the surrounding wilderness. Now, according to the 2011 episode Disappeared, um, a search and rescue team, including trained dogs, were brought immediately. Um, Aerial surveys using helicopters were also performed. Uh, Two weeks were spent combing the large radius of the dense forest around the crash site. And Unsolved Mysteries crew searched up and down Canyon Creek Road, but no sign of Roberts or anything else leaving that car. So, Mm -hmm. like, dude, Leah... Where are you? Where are you at? Talk to me, girl. Okay, maybe not want to talk to me. That might freak me out. Yeah, no. You know. Help yeah. us out. Yeah. <laughs> According to Detective Jamie Collins, a newly assigned case in 2006, um, after the original detective retired, a second search was performed uh, late 2000s, and this time using cadaver dogs and metal detectors. Police had hoped to find the metal rod in Robert's leg which would Mm. not decompose. So if she was out in the woods and somehow just died natural causes, eventually, even if animals got her or she decomposed, that rod would be laying there. Right, that would be the key to figuring out, or at least getting a step closer to figuring out what happened. Yes. And if they did find the rod, they they all have serial numbers on them. So Mm, they could find out if it was hers. It would directly link it to her. Yes. Which, it's been a negative of finding it. Oh, my goodness. Hidden with a keepsake box, Leah Roberts um, and found in her car was a movie ticket that led a break in the case. According to the police, they found that Leah had purchased a ticket to a 2.10 p.m. showing of American Beauty. Okay, I see you. Nice mm-hmm. choice. Um, and that movie theater was located in Bellis Fair Mall in Bellingham, Washington, 30 miles from the crash site. At 1.33 p.m. on Monday, March 13th, 2000, police suspected that she had likely 
made the drive from Brooks, Oregon to Bellingham in about five to six hours, meaning she probably spent some time there, you know, in the afternoon, went to the movie while handing out missing person flyers at the mall. Leah's sister noticed that at a sit-down restaurant at the food court that her sister would likely eat and inquired within. So sure enough, staff members recall seeing Leah. Hmm. One week after Leah Roberts' car was found, detectives received a bizarre tip. So in 2001, an anonymous man called the police and claimed that his wife had seen Leah acting disoriented at a gas station. But before providing more information, she panicked and she hung up the phone. As the Foothills Gazette notes that this gas station was uh, Texaco in Everett, Washington, located about 30 miles north of Seattle and per Trippy, about 60 miles south of Bellingham Police. Of Bellingham. Police have not heard from the caller since, but considered the tip credible. It's weird that he got like nervous and like hung up. Like, why are you nervous, my dude? Do you have... Is she in your basement? That's where my mind goes. I'm like, why are you all freaked out? According to Leah's sister, in 2005 episode of Larry King Live, both family members and police had considered the possibility that Leah had survived the car crash but suffered a head injury and resulted in amnesia. But in 2011... Um, no one matching her description was found in the nearby hospitals. As speculated, it's possible that she was confused and wandered from the crash site, hitchhiked where she met with foul play, or was transported far away from the scene with no knowledge of who she was. As Leah Roberts' case went cold, her sister insisted that the police keep her car and keep the belongings and keep everything contained for additional evidence or advances in technology would someday result in a lead. And that's very smart of her because, I mean, look how far we've come. Right. So to think that far ahead, like, hey, keep this car because um, in a few years from now we're going to have more advanced technology and we'll find some shit. That is really smart because a lot of people wouldn't really think ahead. They would just be like... Sell the car, whatever. Yeah, they would be like, let's move on. This hasn't gone anywhere. And it paid off. A new detective team was assigned to the case, and the original detective retired. And in reviewing the evidence at hand, they discovered that the car had not been fully processed. They also realized during the original investigation, the car, nobody opened the hood of the car. What the hell? So when all of this was going on, they checked the inside, but nobody thought to think about the outside. Are you kidding? Sometimes. Yeah, I am. No, I'm not. Sometimes I just really scratch. Sometimes I'm like, why am I not doing this as a job? Because, like, that's so freaking obvious. Upon examining the Jeep's engine in 2007, they quickly discovered signs of tampering. Mm. The starter relay cover had been removed, which would enable a person outside the vehicle to push on the relay and accelerate the car without the driver so long as the key was in the ignition. Such as alternation could be accomplished by someone in advanced mechanical knowledge, which led to the police 
back to the second man at the restaurant who happened to be a mechanic with military background. Fingerprints were also found in the underside of the hood, allowing police to bring a man now living in Canada back in for fingerprints and DNA testing. So real quick, I'm going to try to catch you up because um, I didn't put everything in here. But at one point, she stopped at the restaurant. She set up at the, the bar to eat. Mm-hmm. There was a guy here, and then there was her, and then another guy. And She did a little small chat, blah, blah, blah. It kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, the fireball thing. The girl walks in to, okay. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the one guy was saying, this guy from Canada, um, we're about to get into him, was saying that, oh, yeah, I heard them two having a full conversation and just kind of, you know, his name was this, and he was very descriptive of what he looked like and talked like and just almost, like, too detailed. Right, where it's like, why do you have all these little details included? Yeah, and saying, like, you know, she was saying everything she was going to go do and all this and talk about this. And so now they're kind of like, how do you know so much information? Like, that's a little too detailed. Like, did the second guy really exist? Like, mm-hmm. sketchy, sketchy. Spishy, spishy. Spishy, 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 spishy. Very much. So um, in 2008, the police determined that his fingerprints did not match those found on the car. And taking the investigation back to square one. Mm-hmm. Now, the guy from Canada, though, it's kind of fishy fishy again because he was from here he's got family here he still hasn't been back to the states because what are you worried about yeah um and also he requested that everything of his dna and fingerprints and everything that the police have he was requesting them to basically destroy weird okay so if you're innocent why do you why do you he, care? he claims that be the police were going to hold on to them and frame him for a later oh like that's a stretch homie i know you're looking real shady over there bro like i'm not saying things don't ever get foggy with that kind of stuff right but i mean but like come on yeah Big old fat red flag. And he's right trying over to play guy. the want, 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 poor me. I can't come back to the States to see my family because they're going to frame me if I come oh, back. Oh, please. So I'd be, if he came back, I'd be really looking at this dude. Oh, for sure. He'd be number one. As a part of their evidence overhaul at the Whatcom County, detectives sent several articles of Leah's clothing to the FBI for DNA testing in 2007. According to 2001 episode of Unsolved Mysteries, the original investigators had already tested the vehicle and all of Robert's belongings for the presence of hair, fibers, and blood. But with recent advances in the forensic technology, the new detective team hoped to discover and trace DNA on Robert's belongings that forensic analysis would not have been able to detect back in 2000. In 2010, a male DNA was discovered on an article of clothing, and it was retrieved from Leah's car. Further evidence that she may have been the victim of a crime. As of the last update in 2011, 
Police are still awaiting a match. No updates have ever been issued since then, and as of 2022, no arrests have been made in the case. Hmm. It's still possible another key piece of evidence may eventually be discovered in Robert's car. As detectives Jamie Collins explain in this disappeared episode that the car has something to tell us. Because we don't have a crime scene, we don't have a body. In the meantime, Lear Roberts' Jeep Cherokee remains in police custody. And it's decades old and it's a time capsule. But it's a capsule of soul-searching road trip that ended before it began. Wow. So, if you know anything about this or seen anything around that time, anything weird, maybe you've seen her... Maybe she did get in the accident and was a little disoriented and somebody got her at the gas station or coursed her into a car or, you know, just anything. Just let somebody know. I really, I really believe that this case can be solved. Like, they have so many, like, they're right there. It's just like. It's like, speak to us. Yeah. Speak to us, Leah. Tell yes, us. Yes. It's like right right there. Like they, I feel like it's right under their, under their noses. Is that a saying? It's like, it's just like right there. Like they just need like a one key piece of information and it's all solved. I feel like. And it's so crazy. Like the whole journey of like this story of them trying to figure out what happened and putting the pieces together honestly is like a puzzle because it was so confusing, I'm sure, in the beginning. But then, little by little, them adding all these little points together, it's just bringing them so much closer. And I really think that they can solve this. Like, I am a, I have positive uh, beliefs that this case will be solved one day. I hope so. Yeah. Her poor sister. Like, you lose your mom, then you lose your dad, and now... Like, your sister takes off, and you have high hopes that she'll be back. And just to not know, that's the saddening part. Mm-hmm. Like It makes it so much harder, like, you know, losing someone. Losing someone in general is extremely hard, but then also making it a tragic thing as well. But these unsolved ones are just always, like, gut-wrenching because it's like they're just sitting there wondering and they have no idea what happened and i i admire these people that are like these vagabonds that can just pack up and travel and see the world and just be on their own i wish i could do that i mean i get anxiety if i have to go you know two hour drive to a city that i don't know by myself same (laughs) like wait what yeah where is that what is it right (laughs) like you know, I'm like, what? I got, I got to do what by myself? I got to go where? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I don't have that um, built in me. I wish I did because I, yeah, I admire it. But it takes a brave soul to venture out and live like that. So, well, I hope she got to, to see the world at least a little bit. Yeah. Before tragedy struck. And it's weird, though, because if, if somebody did, like abduct her and do terrible things like all the stuff that they left on the car like not even take the $4,200 like you got to be really obviously some kind of person like if you're 
just to get your kicks off of taking the human life. And not caring about all the other stuff that you could get. I mean, get. I guess maybe they didn't want fingerprints on the car. Yeah. They take it a chance on, you know, whatever, but... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, to me, I'm kind of sold on the. Maybe she had a head head injury, and that guy said she was acting weird at that. It was a gas station, right? Like, maybe she had a head injury and got out of the crash somehow, and then maybe someone took her because then at that point it's like that's what happens where to I'm her thinking. after it? Maybe someone sees. This confused girl and takes advantage of that. I mean, did she really have amnesia and never recover for it? So she doesn't know. She might be freaking living a life somewhere and she doesn't even know that this is her. Because no family was trying to teach her who she was. Right. You know, remind her. Mm-hmm. Um, however, though, this is a worldwide case. So you would hope that people her would picture, see her picture yeah. being plastered all over or even herself been like, that's oh, me. Oh, fuck, that's me. Yeah, you're right, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Um, how do I find, what's my sister's name? Yeah, what's my name again? But that's my face. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll go to the local police station and see what they can find, you know. Right. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. Such a weird case. It is. It's it's mind-baffling because yeah. it's... So many like you said, they're so close, but there's so many different ways that it could have went. So many different like avenues, but I just feel like that one key piece that they're missing will just bring it all together. And I, I'm really hoping they just find that one key piece. Well, we can go to Desolation Peak and we can see if we can find a clue that they missed. All right. Well, let's bring lots of people with us. <laughs> it can't just be just us two. <laughs> like the two strong boys downstairs. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And the guide, men. a tour guide, <laughs> just in case. Right. Uh, well, good story. Sad, but hopefully, hopefully one day it will be solved. Here's to hoping, and here's to hoping you guys come back next week for another episode. Yes, yes. Thank you for sticking around as always. We love you, creepies. Heck yeah, and yeah, we will talk to you guys next week. Send us any requests that you might have. All right, well, on that note, we's got to go. Stay creepy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>